Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for Monday, January 29th, 2024. And I am delighted to be with you today. Um, what a blessing it is. What a wonderful thing it is to have this time together. And uh, I really appreciate some of you reached out to me in light of the last devotional, reached out to me through email, through messenger, that sort of thing. And I cannot tell you how encouraging your words are to me and how how honored I am just to have this time with you all. It's uh, it's always a blessing to me, especially as we're doing what we're doing. We're just making our way through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and it just so happens we're in the book of Acts. So if uh, this is your first time with us, feel free to go back. They're all on here, either on Facebook or Sermon Audio. Um, you can go back and you can find all of the devotionals that we've been through thus far. And we have seen a lot of things, haven't we? And where we're picking up this week is exactly where we left off. And where we left off was a glimpse at how the world works. What's important to the world? That we see the world's religious fervor. Eh, but underneath it is really greed, right? That's what we saw the last time we were together. We're in Acts chapter 19, making our way through. And, and we started in verse 23 the last time about how there arose a great disturbance about the way. Now, the way referring to Christianity. Remember, we talked about this the week before last. It was probably last week. Anyway, we talked about the fact that the way is a good description of Christianity, that it's more than just an idea. It's more than just a philosophy. It is a way of life. And there arose a great disturbance. It, it all started with this silversmith, this dude named Demetrius, right? Well, what's his problem? Well, he's in Ephesus, remember, right? And he's a silversmith. And the idea that we get is he's either a, a, a really powerful guy in the, in, the, in the workman's guild or the silversmith's guild or the blacksmith's guild. We don't know exactly what his capacity is, but he's a powerful guy. And he realizes something about Christianity. When Christianity is not just an idea, but instead when Christianity is a way of life, when Christianity and the church really grows, what you don't find is a church transformed by the culture. What you do find is a church that is out there transforming culture. That's one of the indictments of the modern American church. Oh, we got these gigantic churches everywhere, mega churches everywhere. It's just incredible. Is it? Are cities being affected and shaped by churches or are churches affected and shaped by cities? We know what's going on in Ephesus. Uh, we find out that one of the reasons that Demetrius is so upset, in fact, the real reason he's upset is because Christianity has been growing so much in this area that it's starting to affect his business. What they were doing here is they were making idols, right? People would come to them to design an idol. It was ultimately dedicated to Artemis. Um, and one of the reasons we know about that, we, we kind of hit on this the last time. If you all remember that the wonders of the ancient world, right? The seven or the eight wonders of the ancient world, depending on who you ask. The temple to Artemis in Ephesus is one of the great ancient wonders of the world right up there with the hanging gardens of Babylon and the, the pyramids at Giza and these other places. Just this incredible structure. And indeed, Ephesus was known all over the world for the temple to Artemis. But Christianity is sweeping through. And, and the message of Christianity is not that there are many gods. The, the message of Christianity is that Jesus is the one true God. 
God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's no way to God the Father except through God the Son. And when you put your faith in God the Son, you are indwelled by God the Holy Spirit. This message, this, uh, this, this, this truth just butted right up into the face of the Roman and, and the Greek pantheon, right? The gods and goddesses of Rome. It was right in the face of Artemis, who was the most famous goddess there in that particular locale. And Demetrius goes to his fellow silversmiths and blacksmiths and basically incites a riot, talking about how business has been affected. He uses phrases like, you know that we get, uh, well, uh, read it for yourself. Verse 25, men, you know we receive good income from this business, right? <laughs> and, he, and he then appeals to them on another level. And what we saw the last time was really how the world works. You know, the real issue here is money. It's greed. It's finance. But then Demetrius got all religious, y'all. Oh, he got so religious. Oh, the great Artemis, blah, 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 blah. But really at the heart of it was greed. And as a result, we can learn a lot about the world. Now, that's where we off the last, where we left off. I can't speak. Where we left off last week. Where we're picking up today is in the furtherance of this story. You know what happens? Demetrius has whipped them up into a frenzy. What happens next? Well, let's pray, and then we'll find out. Our God and our Father, we pray that you would be with us now. Help us to understand. Give us eyes that can see. Give us ears that can hear. Give us a heart that is open to understanding not only what your word says, but what it means for all of us. On our own, we may gather knowledge, and it may be anecdotal at best, but it's only you that transforms us. So please, guide us now as we look at how the world works. Let us be informed. And in being informed, let us not fall for the world's trickery. Please guide us now. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So how does this story continue? We're picking up in verse 26. Okay. This is, well, well let's do this. Let's do this. Let, let's go with Demetrius in, in verse 27 is where we'll pick up. He says, there is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited and the goddess herself who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world will be robbed of her, her divine majesty. Again, which one is it? Is he upset about the money or is he worried about uh, Artemis? Well, nevertheless, uh, I'll let you judge for that. But we continue on. Where we pick up today, verse 28, it says, when they heard this, now they as the blacksmiths, the silversmiths, when they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, or, or Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and rushed as one man into the theater. Now, do you get the idea? This is not anything new, y'all. How many times have we seen basically riots kick up? Here, it just so happens to be silversmiths. It wasn't that long ago that it was it was men who, who had this child, really, that was a medium, and they were making money off of her fortune telling. And then when the evil spirit was cast out, they went nuts. And so they incited a riot too. I mean, you see this. It's like I said the last time, there's a pattern developing, right? There's an area, 
Christianity goes into it. The church starts to grow. That area is being transformed. And either the Gentiles that are there or the Jews that are there, they don't like it. And they try to work violence. It's not a new story, but it is a common one. Okay? That's exactly what we see going on here. And we're going to see, you know, what how this pans out. But also, it, it's important to note that they got Gaius and Aristarchus, right? Paul's traveling companions. These are followers of Christ that are going with Paul. How did they get them? Where did they find him? We don't know. Um, probably because Paul was gaining notoriety, people would have recognized these two men as those that had been with Paul. And so this crowd that's whipped up into a frenzy, it's not even a crowd, it's a mob at this point. They just grab them and take them with them. But there's an interesting interlude here. You know, Luke is telling this story, right? He's writing this out. Luke is the author of Acts. And it's fascinating that he includes this. And, and of course, this is God's word, God breathing it out through him. But it's fascinating that this is here. And it shows us something, a few things, but I'm going to bring out a couple. First, well, let me just read it, all right? So all of this is going on. Mob is in a frenzy. Verse 30, Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. Now, there's two things here that I want to bring out that are very practical, okay? The first is this. This ought to do away with the notion of this idea that the apostles were bishops and they held all this separate authority of their own, okay? The idea that Peter is the first pope and so forth and all these different things and they all act like bishops in this heart. No, 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 no. What did we just read? We just read that Paul wanted to do something, but the disciples wouldn't let him. You know, what we don't see is Paul declaring some apostolic authority to do what he wants to do. Instead, he is hindered by his friends and for good reason. Now, that's a theological thing, right? But there's a very practical thing, and it shows you something here. This idea that everything is about uh, uh, the singular, that, that we're just one man and one woman shows, the idea that the pastor is an island unto himself and doesn't need support, y'all, that's a lie from the devil. You see what Paul wanted to do here. Paul, out of concern, out of anger, out of desire to teach, we know. All we know is that Paul wants to go. But there are people in his life that love him enough to not let him. Lots of times I'm asked, why are you Presbyterian? That's one of the reasons why. You know, people get the wrong idea about pastors as if, as if a pastor is a CEO. Now, it, undoubtedly, there are some ministry contexts where the pastor is the CEO and the CFO, and, you know, he practically owns the place, and so, you know, that you, he can call himself an apostle, a prophet. Um, he can call himself Dr. President or the illustrious fill-in-the-blank, and he can do that because he runs the show. That is not how we are designed to run at Old Providence. Um it's interesting when you get into some of the details of it, but y'all, I'm, I'm the minister of this church. I'm not a member of this church. That's why in the congregational meeting on Sunday, I didn't vote and I didn't say anything. I'm not a member of this church. I'm a member of the Presbytery. And yet I am the moderator of our church's session. The session is the group of elders that make the spiritual decisions of the church. I'm a member of that session, but I yield to them. It's not one guy in charge. It never is. 
It was never meant to be. You have this plurality of elders uh, present in God's word. You, you don't have the lone wolf out there just doing his own thing. And y'all, this applies not only to pastors, it applies to how all of us live our Christian lives. This idea of rugged American individualism, I'm not saying it's a bad thing because in some ways it really got us where we are, but to a certain extent it didn't at all and it doesn't help us in some ways because take your pick of poetry, no man is an island unto himself. All of us need help. All of us need guardrails in our life to keep us from going off into the, into the abyss on one side or, or into the maze on the other side, the labyrinth on the other. We need help. Paul needed help, and he got help. So, you know, a small application here for daily devotional. What are your guardrails? Let me suggest one to you. If you're not a regular part of a Bible-believing church, you ought to be. And if you are a regular part of a Bible-believing church and you're not a member of it, you should become a member, right? Becoming a member means that you are submitting to the care, the governance, the discipline of that church. You're committing your, your time, talent, and treasure to that church. And the Lord uses these things to, to give us guardrails, to keep us between the lines. Also, the kind of friends that you have. It's incredibly important. I can look back on my life, right? And, and my closest friends, many of my closest friends have been considerably older than I am, considerably. And, and, and I think of elders that I've been incredibly close to, deacons that I've been incredibly close to. They have wisdom that I haven't even had the opportunity to acquire yet. I'm, despite my gnarled and grizzled look, I am only 42 years old. I know, it's, you know, I've been in the ministry 21 years, and one year in the ministry is like seven normal years. So I, I get it, I get it. But I am only 42. There's a lot of things that I don't know. My friends have helped me tremendously. They've shared their wisdom with me, and the Lord has used them to be a guardrail to me. But who are your guardrails? If it's just people that are going to say things that you want to hear, those are not going to be guardrails for you. They're going to be arrows on the pavement that may lead you right off the edge of a cliff, okay? And again, these are just a couple of examples. I'm not going to go into this exhaustively, but there is a valuable message here that we all need help. Paul needed help here. Now, what happened? Verse 32, the assembly was in confusion. <laughs> Imagine that. An angry mob in confusion? Anyway, the assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there. Y'all, as a side note, oh, don't fall into this trap of thinking that everybody that isn't us is barbaric, that people were so different 2,000 years ago. Mobs are mobs, okay? People get whipped up into a frenzy, and a lot of times they don't even know why. If you doubt that, rewind and look at some of the protests that have been going on nationwide. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to get into politics, but everything from BLM to you know climate, all this stuff. People get whipped in. People were in this mob. They didn't even know why they were there. Verse 33, the Jews pushed Alexander to the front and some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. He mentioned, or, or excuse me, he motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Y'all read between the lines here. 
Is it Artemis that's great or is it the Ephesians that are great? Is this about Artemis or is it about money? Or is it just about society as they knew it? Again, people haven't changed in 2,000 years. I would contend that this isn't about religious fervor. It sounds like it. It looks like it. But this is about Ephesians wanting to keep Ephesus the same way it's always been. It's about Ephesians wanting to make, oh, I don't mean this in a bad way. They want to make Ephesus great again. Get rid of this Paul character, right? Did they have red hats? Probably not. But nevertheless, you, you get the idea. No, that's not a, a, a slight towards Trump or anything like that. I'm just saying, that's what's going on here. They want to hold on to what they got. Even the people that don't even really know why they're there. And so they do this nonsensical thing of this chant for two hours. Verse 35, now this is what's fascinating. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. You've brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anybody, the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of today's events. In that case, we would not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. After he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. Y'all, you want to talk about something wild? You want to talk about just a crazy situation that the Lord handles, de-escalates? We don't even know who this guy is. Not at this point. The city clerk. Who is the city clerk? We don't know. But he shows up and what does he do? It just goes to show that the Lord can use things in this world to completely handle the world. You know, the, the deep yearning there is to protect Ephesus. And what does the city clerk do? He stands up and says, hey, y'all ought to act like Ephesians here. You've got a court of law. These men didn't do anything wrong. You just grabbed them because you knew them. And you bring them here. What, do you all want to be charged with rioting? Get out of here. Go home. And they do. How could, they, how could this happen? How can you go from for two hours, for two solid hours, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And then the city clerk gets up and talks and they just go home? How does that happen? Well, y'all, this is the second application for today. Do not ever fool yourself, trick yourself, lie to yourself to the point that you miss the fact that God can interject himself in any situation, that God can take an absolute frenzy and bring it to calm. Doesn't our Lord show this to be true? Whether it's dealing with crowds, Pharisees, or whether it's dealing with winds and waves, the Lord is able to intercede. And that's what has happened here. They're worried about Ephesus not being Ephesus anymore. And so this city clerk says, hey, you need to act like Roman citizens. You've got courts. You have proconsuls. You have judges. You can file a lawsuit if you don't like any of this stuff. But you're not behaving as you ought to. And they listened. Now, 
we're going to get to the aftermath of this and we're going to see how the Lord's going to use this. But for right now, what is the application here? Why is this even in here? Well, it's in here because this is an eyewitness account. And there's some things in the book of Acts that are just eyewitnesses, uh, eyewitness accounts to tell the story. But I believe this is in here for another reason too. Once again, is to show us that the Lord can intervene and change any situation. That nothing is too far gone. Nothing is too crazy. The Lord can step in. Now, let's apply this to your life a little bit. While you may not be dragged into a mob at an Ephesian theater and listening to people chant for two hours, certainly there are things in your life and there's things in my life that from time to time you just kind of scratch your head and you say, man, what is even going on here? I didn't think this would be going on. What, what do we even do about this? When you face those situations, whether it be times of joy or times of disappointment, times of plenty, times of want, as I talked about in my sermon yesterday, it doesn't matter. The Lord has the power to intervene. And so, when you find yourself in those situations, let what we've read today serve as an example that nothing is beyond God's power. Start at the start with Him, and you'll be amazed at what He can do. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, for your word, for the story. What an incredible thing we've read. It's just crazy. But it's another example of you working, always. Oh, don't let us fall for the trap that you're aloof, that you're separate. Instead, let us see that you are active in the world around us, and let us trust. We thank you, Father, for your word. Let us be captive to it. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I appreciate you all being here with us, and Lord willing, we'll see you again soon. Have a happy Monday.